Let's go to a man that, I tell you what, when he left office, he could have ran and won and ran and won and ran and won. I'm still mad at him uh, for retiring. When we talk about budget, federal budget, he's the one I think of. When we talk about, uh, you know, parties working together in a bipartisan way, he's one of the ones I think of instantly. And that is former North Dakota United States Senator Kent Conrad. Senator Conrad, good to have you back on News and Views. Always good to be with you, Joel, and I've been talking to the Minnesota Twins, and they're wondering if you're going to show up for spring training. I am. I'm going to come down for a couple of days. They're and, hoping he doesn't. Yeah. You know, part, well, part. Negotiating, I've been negotiating on your behalf, and I told them we only have two conditions, no tryout, no physical. <laughs> You might have a chance, Joel. Trust me, the, the, only, the only chance I even have at a tryout is if there is no physical. There's no question. Yeah. Are the Orioles still so, looking to put you in their rotation, or what are they talking about here? They're, they're talking about uh, left-handed reliever, and I'd probably be about the number three in their reliever chain. Uh, so it's looking very good. We're talking $30 million over three. That might be why you lost in the playoffs if you'd be number two in their oh. receiver <laughs> Senator, I called you this morning and I said, come on with me because, you know, right now uh, Congress is still kicking the can down the road, not dealing with a budget, you know, trying to do these stop gaps so that uh, yeah. as a nation we can keep going. I remember your call when when I was walking in parades for you and holding signs up for you because one of the things that – that I was passionate about was the fact that you said you were going to work to balance the budget. And if it didn't get balanced, you were going to pull the pin, uh, you know, and, and in the end you got the job done. I'm sitting here looking at the national debt clock right now, $34 yeah. trillion, dollars, Senator. Yeah. I mean, how did we get to here? Boy, it's a tortured path. You know, when I was first elected, Back in 1986, so first year I served was 1987, and I'd said if the deficit weren't dramatically reduced, I wouldn't run again. Six years later, when I was up, the deficit was a record under George H.W. Bush, $290 billion. And the debt at that time, the total debt was $4.4 trillion. Now, as you rightly describe, it's $34 trillion. You know, the amazing thing is when we elected Clinton president, he made a budget deal in 1993 that not a single Republican voted for. That budget deal and the follow-on deal five years later not only balanced the budget, but had us on a path to entirely pay off the national debt by 2009. But, of course, we know what happened. In 2000, George W. Bush was elected. The first thing he did was a massive tax cut in 2001, followed by another massive tax cut in 2003. That, coupled with the increased spending that occurred under his watch and subsequent president's watches, ballooned the debt. That's how we got to $34 trillion in debt. And I just want to say, back in... 2001, when Bush proposed these massive tax cuts, the head of the Federal Reserve, Alan Greenspan, came to my office and asked me for my advice because they had a new projection that we were going to pay off the debt by 2009 if we stayed the course. He said, should I support these big Bush tax cuts? I said, no. 
I said, if you support those big tax cuts, that will unleash the spenders in Congress simultaneously. They'll say, well, if you can do a big tax cut, we can do big spending. And of course, that's exactly what happened. We had the big tax cut that lost revenue. We started on a path of big increases in spending. That combination absolutely ballooned the debt. So Alan Greenspan wrote in his book that he wished he had followed my advice. So it's there for anybody to read who wants to read it. Um, So the hard reality is when Clinton came in, uh, elected in 92, took office in 93, we put together a budget deal that dramatically reduced deficits and debt. In fact, balanced the budget. And we there wasn't a single Republican vote. Democrats controlled the Senate. Democrats controlled the House. Democrats controlled the White House. We put forward a budget deal that cut spending, that raised revenue, that balanced the budget, and again, had us on a course to entirely eliminate the debt by 2009 without a single Republican vote. Now, to be fair, the first budget deal under Clinton was in 93. Then five years later, there was a subsequent budget deal. At that time, the Republicans controlled the House, and that was a bipartisan budget deal that finished uh, getting us on a path to paying off the debt. So, And the second budget deal under Clinton, Republicans uh, did participate. So, what? But not the, not the go ahead, one. Senator. Not the big one in 2001, when not a single Republican voted for that budget deal, either in the House or the Senate. And that did most of the heavy lifting to get us to paying off, uh, to having a balanced budget and have us headed toward paying off the debt. You know, you don't have to do very much research to see that when you give all the tax breaks on the top end, it, number one, doesn't reduce the debt, and it creates such a wide gap, such a huge separation between those individuals of of significant means and the middle class in this country. I mean, why why is it that that's constantly a fight? You know, uh, I was just um, giving remarks at an event in uh, Baltimore, Maryland last week. And I did a little research. I found an amazing fact. The eight wealthiest families in the world have as much wealth as one half of the world population. Is that incredible? The eight wealthiest families in the world, many of them Americans, have as much wealth as one half of the world population. Now, when you have that kind of disparity, something's wrong. But but why is it that when when you have elected officials that that are there to elect and represent the people, and that is really what the House of Representatives is, and and it's so incredibly dysfunctional right now that it, it's as though that. That man and woman that are out there farming, union members, building the bobcat, whatever, they don't matter. 
they they just they don't matter, Senator. It, it, ponder that. I, I know you have an answer. We have him for a little bit longer. Former United States Senator Kent Conrad. Uh, Senator Conrad, want to talk to you about that separation? You know, you, you know the the amount that people have. Why does why is there such a focus on this whole trickle down? Why why is that theory even win in a place like Congress that's supposed to be representing the middleman and woman? Well, unfortunately, because a lot of people have not studied history and not studied the record of the economy and how it performs under various approaches. You know, uh, my own belief always was uh, you don't necessarily have to have a balanced budget, but you do have to have uh, deficits that are growing more slowly than the economy. That's critically important. And, of course, now we've run up so much debt. We're over 100% of our gross domestic product in national debt. Now, that doesn't mean it's the end of the world. Japan's got a debt of over 200% of their gross domestic product. Uh, gross domestic product is a rough measurement of the size of your economy. So you can uh, uh, an advanced country uh, can obviously run big debts. The problem is, um, as interest rates rise and the cost of servicing that debt grow, that crowds out other spending that's very important to economic growth. So it crowds out spending on education, which is probably the single most important component of long-term economic growth, an educated populace. Um, and you've got to have the resources to invest in the education of people. And of course, skills training. We've got to have if you're not the most highly skilled population in the world, you're not going to be the most powerful nation in the world for very long. So these are things that are critically important to invest in. Infrastructure is another component. Um, one thing I would applaud the Biden administration for doing was passing a bipartisan. Republicans and Democrats came together to pass a very large infrastructure investment bill to improve the efficiency of our economy, the competitive position of our economy in the world. So those are things that are absolutely critical we invest in. Infrastructure, uh, and that includes, you know, the internet, that includes artificial intelligence, that includes all of the components of technology that are critical to world dominance today. So I have to ask you, because we are talking about budget deals, we're talking about you know, other things in in line of the border. You've got the, the Senate Republicans going with the Senate Democrats on a very, very conservative uh, policy when it comes to the protection of our border. The House uh, Democrats embracing that as well. And and the one group that you can't get is the, the House Republicans. And when you when you talk about you know, tax policy, when you talk about budgets, when you talk about border policy, it's always the House Republicans. So it begs this question. Do you think the majority party in the House, uh, the Republicans, can govern? Well, no, I don't think they can because they have a group, um, the, the so-called Freedom Caucus, who is extreme in their views and who hold the speaker hostage, you know, they 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 got rid of McCarthy uh, because he made with a uh, deal with the Democrats to keep government open. So uh, the problem is one member can can have a motion to vacate the chair and then they have to have a vote by the rules of the House. They have to have a vote on vacating the chair. That's what happened to Speaker McCarthy. 
So it, it creates a circumstance that it's ungovernable because any one member can bring that motion. I'd say more than that. Um, you know, in, in our country, half the people have very little money. Uh, the Federal Reserve does a study every year, and they ask if uh, if you had to come up with uh, $400 for an emergency car repair, would it be hard for you to do? 40% of the American people say it would be. When they ask the question, how about a $1,000 emergency expenditure that was needed to fix something in your home or your car? How many people would have a hard time coming up with $1,000? That's half of the country. So it's no wonder people are angry. And then they see this chaos at the border, which is totally unacceptable. Uh, it has to be dealt with. If you can't control your border, you can't control your future. That's just a fact. And uh, it is critically important that they pass uh, measures to dramatically improve border security. You know the irony? Uh, one of the last years I was in the Senate, Democrats and a handful of Republicans passed a border security bill that had, listen to this, we had additional wall construction money. We had a dramatic increase in border patrol. We had a dramatic increase in judges to hear these cases of asylum. We had re reform of the asylum laws, which is right now allowing people to just show up at our border and say they're seeking asylum, whether they have any proof that they need asylum or not. I mean, these are things that are just common sense. And it's absolutely essential for the future of our country that we deal with this chaos at the border. It's absolutely essential that we deal with crime. In the major cities in America, there's too much crime. Um, you know, we passed a very tough, uh, one of my earliest years in the Senate, a very tough crime bill. And now they've backed away from that. We are going to have to, you know, it's unfortunate, but you cannot let the criminal element start to create a circumstance in which regular citizens feel unsafe. I mean, this is just common sense. You know, Senator, I enjoy this. Uh, you know, we could talk baseball as well. We could visit more, but I appreciate you coming on. Thank you. You bet. Always good to talk. Yep, Senator Kent Conrad, ladies and gentlemen. What did you like? What did you disagree with? I don't care. The phone lines are open. It's pretty simple. You dial 1-800-880-5346. My point is this. Uh, you know, it's pretty clear. You've got a border deal uh, that, that allows no pathway to citizenship, which has been a goal of the Republican Party for a long time and one that I've spoke to here a number of times. What's happening at our border, as Senator Conrad just said, is inexcusable. It's got to get fixed. Well, there's a bipartisan deal now to get it fixed where the Republicans got the details they want. Why in the world doesn't the House Republicans vote for it? They're the ones that are going to stop this.